This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Mark Stiles, your host. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston Chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Hey folks, welcome back to Leadership in Action, your Boston's chapter of EO's podcast. I am Mark Stiles, your host, and today I'm really excited. I'm really excited to dive into the fresh mind, this inspiring individual. He was honored with the first place position for his nonprofit work by our GSEA. That's right. He is the winner of our Global Student Entrepreneur Award here with EO. He is one of Bostino, Boston Innovators, Bostino's 25 under 25. He founded the 501c3 nonprofit company, Computers for People, Inc. in 2019 when he was just, drumroll please, 15 years old. Please meet Dylan Zayons. Welcome to the hey, show, Mark. Dylan. Great. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we're, we're excited to have you and congratulations. This is a huge honor bestowed upon you for the work that you have done with an amazing, amazing organization. So congratulations to you first and foremost. Thank you. So as we start all of our podcasts here at Leadership in Action, your Boston chapter of EO's podcast, what is the most positive lesson that you've learned while running your business, Dylan? Yeah, Mark, I would say one of the, the most positive experiences was was really the negative experiences along the way um i know like multiple times a year actually no multiple times a week i i fail at different things um and that's that kind of motivates me to keep going uh, at some point like i i submit over three or four grants uh per week and every week i get you know three or four uh, denial letters say you know you're not a good fit for this grant, but you know, this, the 10, 20% where, uh, we get accepted. That's, that feels good. So that is uh, awesome. And I know that it is a huge obstacle for a lot of people. They're allergic to rejection. They are avoiding pain and you're leaning into it and you're saying, you know what, this is, this is actually a positive. Help me understand what you mean. I think. I think I have a, uh, quite a high pain tolerance, May, maybe not physically, but mentally. Um, I, I try to put myself into the most uncomfortable situations I, I possibly can. Like for the last week, I've been basically sleeping in, in our office to get an insane amount of work done. Um, like my goal was to hit 200 computers donated this week. And I've been like palletizing hundreds and hundreds of monitors and computers and you know we have some staff that are out so i'm just like running around from 6 a.m to 2 a.m um trying to get stuff done and it's these times where you know it's it just like makes me want to work harder every single day because i, I know the the crazy amount of impact that we can make um and we're not even there yet you know like every day we're we're impacting you know, a dozen people, but you know, let's get to the point where we're 
helping thousands of people every day get connected to computers, internet, and digital skills. So let me stop you right there. What is it that your company is doing? Yeah, so Computers for People is a nonprofit uh, with our main mission is to bridge the digital divide. So what is the digital divide, right? The digital divide includes three main things. It's having access to a device like a computer, having access to the internet, and then also having the skills needed to actually use those two device, you know, two things, internet and, and devices. Because if you just had a, uh, a computer and you didn't know how to use it, it's basically a brick. So what we do is all three of those, but we specialize in one. And that's collecting computers from individuals and companies that are refreshing, you know, every couple of years. You know, a lot of people have a laptop sitting under their bed, uh, companies have to switch out the laptops every two to three years and give their employees new devices. We come pick up those computers for free, issue them a tax receipt, and then refurbish all the computers and give them to people in need for free. Um, and then we have those other two programs where we give out free internet and we teach almost a class every single day in New Jersey and New York City, uh, teaching people how to turn on a computer, to make an email, uh, to surfing the web safely, all of these things. So I, I know I'm going to ask you this at the end of the show, while people are hearing this and say, oh my goodness, I have four computers in my basement. I have one under my desk. I have, how do they reach you so that they can uh, get those into good hands? Yeah, it's super easy. So you just go on our website, fill out a quick form where you say, oh, I have one desktop and I have two laptops, right? Uh, you submit that form, and then we'll tell you all the drop-off locations that are in your area to drop off the computers or an address where you can ship them. If you have over a certain amount of computers, which is 10 right now is the minimum, we'll come and pick up all those computers for free. That's amazing. That website is what? Computersforpeople.org. Love it. Love it. Okay, so they you all take their computers, I assume the it, it's clean it's it's uh scrubbed clean of all data it's not a hunter biden situation <laughs> well sometimes uh i mean companies trust us to to you know erase all their data we have a pretty strict system um where we do a nist 888 wipe this is a government issued wipe on all the devices um and we give certificates to the companies to ensure that you know all the data was scrubbed clean and it's not recoverable at all. Excellent. Um, so we have a pretty strict process for that. Excellent. And so then those computers probably need some repair. So how does that work? Yeah, we have uh, a small budget for computers. It actually costs us on average $7 uh, to refurbish one computer. The majority of computers we spend $0 on. Wow. Um, so what we usually do is just we have a custom USB drive where we plug that in. It automatically erases the computer, checks all the parts in the computer. So like, is the hard drive good? Is the battery, you know, have charge? All the stuff gives us a check mark. And then it installs a custom image of Windows 10. Um, uh -huh. So that's like our whole process. And then in the rare scenarios, we need to purchase chargers and uh, like hard drives. But we don't do any, any repairs like beyond that because it's too time consuming when we're trying to donate you know, hundreds or thousands of computers. So most of the reason that people are, are donating this is 
the capacity isn't enough for them. However, it's treasure for someone else. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, most of the computers we get are less than five years old that have like, you know, great processors run Windows 10 perfectly. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe you can't run high graphics games on them, but you can, you know, easily run a Zoom meeting and go on online. So uh, huh. there's no reason why they should be thrown away. So what's the next step in the process then? So now there's this computer. How do you identify the need? Yeah, I think that's what we do really well. Um, we partner with over 300 organizations, nonprofits across New Jersey, New York City, and now Massachusetts. Uh, and these organizations range from small local community centers to some of the biggest uh, organizations in the country and in the world, really. Uh, and these, these organizations also know their communities the best. So they identify individuals in their programs that need a computer. Those individuals submit an application either online or through a paper version. Uh, and then the nonprofits write a recommendation letter that gets attached to that application. Uh, so once it's all in our system, we have an application committee that reviews all these applications. And uh, if they meet all our el eligibility requirements, then check mark, it goes into our system and a computer gets dropped off to the nonprofit uh, to disperse to the client. I see. Okay. So nonprofit to nonprofit, not your nonprofit directly to the end user. Exactly. Yeah. So we drop it off to the nonprofit. They're like the in-between that yep. vets these clients and knows their community the best so that we're not just coming in and, you know, you know, sending computers to random places. We know that they're going to the people that most need them, which, you know, we have students, senior citizens, formerly incarcerated, homeless, veterans, refugees. Um, a lot of people that, you know, a lot of them have never used a computer before. Uh, and a lot of them have used a computer before, but don't have the funds to purchase one and have, you know, an exam to do uh, or, you know, need to apply for a job. And there's just no other way to do that without a computer. Right. So who are some of the nonprofits, some of the common nonprofits that you're working with? Are there we some? Work, yeah, we work with Goodwill. Um, I guess that's a, that's probably a big name. Mm -hmm. Church World Service, uh, Easter Seals, the Fortune Society, uh, Community Access. A lot of big names, a lot of big names in New York City, but then a lot of like national uh, and worldwide nonprofits. But then there's also small local organizations like here in, in our hometown of uh, Hoboken, uh, where we work with like the Hoboken Homeless Shelter and the Lunchtime Ministry. Uh, and these, you know, smaller organizations that, that really know their people the most. Uh, and those are the type of organizations where we're able to really make the most impact with, I think. I love it. So tell me more about the bridge now. So now they have the, the, uh, device and how is the literacy part of the equation? Yeah, we, we started digital literacy classes about a year ago after getting a grant from, uh, Schmidt Futures. So we worked with. Uh, this organization in New York City called Community Access. And we've donated over 300 computers to their clients. Um, but we realized that, wow, a lot of these clients get the computers and really don't know how to use it. So after getting this grant, we were able to hire an instructor who built out a 14-week proprietary curriculum on you know, how to turn the computer on, how to just navigate Windows 10. And like, mm -hmm. what, is, what are these icons? What's the file uh, you know, icon mean? 
How do I click that? How do I see my downloads? Um, so we walk through everything in these 14 weeks so that at the end of the 14 weeks, you know, they know all of the resources and tools that a computer offers so they can apply for a job. They can, you know, maybe they just need to watch YouTube or, you know, check their email. And those are really important skills to have. And now they know how to do that. And now they know how to do that. And that can change someone's life, right? Absolutely. Like imagine, imagine not having a computer and not knowing what a computer has to offer. And then suddenly knowing like all the tools that a computer has to offer, like you can, you can access education, you can access jobs, you can access telehealth, all these services. Um, it's really insane how much it can change your life. Totally. Now let's talk about access. So that's the third pillar of your organization. So the internet, how are you working with folks to make sure that they have access to the internet? Yeah, a couple different ways. So we, we donate mobile hotspots uh, through cool. AT&T and T-Mobile. So we, we get a hotspot and we donate it with a free year of internet um, to these people. And that gives them unlimited internet uh, for that year. So, you know, with the hotspot and a laptop, you can go anywhere in the world mm -hmm. uh, and be connected. We also just got a grant from the uh, Federal Communications Committee uh, or Commission, something like that, uh, to, to do outreach for a federal benefit, which is called ACP, the Affordable Connectivity Program. Cool. And with that, we're getting people $30 off their internet bill every single month, which in most cases is free internet. So. We get like hundreds of people enrolled in this every single month and we go out to three or four events per week um, and, and help people get connected. So the question that I know everybody who's listening to this is, is wondering is how did you get started? What, what, what motivated you to get this going and off the ground? Yeah, so I, I was always a very, uh, I would say energetic young kid. Uh, well, obviously I was young when I was young, but... Um, I was very energetic. I, I was originally into YouTube and making YouTube videos. Like I wanted to be a filmmaker mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger from like eight to 15. I was like all in. I wanted to be a YouTuber. Cool. I made thousands of videos, you know, got some decent progress, decent viewership, but, um, nothing insane. And eventually still I, up. It's still up to some degree. A lot is privated yep. <laughs> for, for good reasons. Yes. Uh, but, but then in high school, uh, I had some friends that I would go around to different thrift shops with in, in New York City. Uh, like around Brooklyn, we would go to like four or five different thrift shops and, uh, and pick through these shelves of like electronics that uh, you know, some new stuff, some old, some really old stuff. Uh, and we would bargain with these thrift shop owners to take it away. Uh, and we like put it all, we'd stack them up on our skateboards, bring them on the subway, uh, take them back to like my friend's house and we would fix them up and then sell them on eBay and Facebook cool. marketplace. Um, and we were like, we had a good business going. Um, but then through that, I saw that like, wait, how did all these electronics get into these thrift stores? Uh, and I started talking to them and they said, oh, you know, companies just drop them off here. Uh, because they don't know what to do with them. And I found out that it's like one point or no, 13 billion pounds of electronic waste um, in the United States every single year that gets, you know, recycled or thrown away. 
Um, and of, you know, recycled and thrown away, 85% ends up in the landfill. In which our is just, United States landfills or overseas yeah. somewhere? Well, a combination of both. Yeah. I'm sure mostly overseas, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, pollutes everything in sight. Yeah. Imagine, you know, burning a computer. It's probably the worst possible thing you can breathe in. I know. Um, I believe I saw an episode on 60 Minutes about that exact topic and how awful it is. So you're doing a massive service there alone for the environment. Yeah. I mean, you know, burning a computer, it just like, think about drinking water from a computer, like, from a, I, I shouldn't yeah. get into it. It's just yeah. No, it's terrible. important though. I mean, it's, it's, it's not terrible. even one of the things you focus on. You know, you're focusing on access to internet and, and literacy and, and, and the device, you're not even, it's not even in your top three things and you're recycling, you're doing amazing things for the environment on top of it all. Yeah. So that's like, it stemmed from that. And then talking to my stepmom who was, uh, who works in the nonprofit space, she runs a, a nonprofit and she told me how dozens of her clients don't have access to computers and, you know, they couldn't afford them, but needed them for job search, for telehealth, for applying for jobs, all this stuff. Um, and that, that was like the light bulb moment where I was like, oh, I can just collect all these computers, refurbish them and donate them to people in need. And then like the next day, I figured out how to file for 501c3. I bought the domain names for like the .org and the .com just in case um, and just started moving, like got a board together, uh, just figured everything out and got the first donations from pe- people on Facebook Marketplace like myself. And I convinced them to donate their computers t- to me uh, instead of selling them. And that just like stemmed from that. And then I got, you know, convinced corporations to donate. And then I, you know, walked into nonprofits and had meetings with them and said, you know, what do you need? How can I best assist you? Uh, instead of just dropping off computers there, I, I tried to analyze how we can make the most impact. Um, and that's, that's what we focus on every day. So it was your stepmother who helped you go from profit mindset to nonprofit? Yeah, she did me the disservice to do that, yeah. <laughs> Well, how do you find that with some of your friends? Well, I'm out. If we're not making money on this, I'm out. Actually, yes. Yeah. Because I pitched it to them. I wanted like, I don't want to do this by myself. Right. right? Everyone wants co-founders. So I, yeah, definitely. I pitched it to other people and it was, you know, it didn't take off. It didn't take off. (laughs) But uh, I guess that's, that's what excited me too. It's like the challenge of it all. Like, you know, you can make a for-profit company, you can make some money. It's, it's not impossible, but building a sustainable nonprofit where it has enough revenue coming in and it's making a significant impact, doing both those things really well is next to impossible. Um, and that's what like excites me every single day uh, because I see the potential and the growth here. And we're at, we're at like this, you know, this point, this inflection point where I think, we could take off soon. That's what I love about your generation is the, um, and I'll age myself a little bit, but it's that altruism, right? It's that deep, genuine altruism. We talk a lot about BHAGs in EO, um, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Can you see down the line where this is potentially going to go? Do you have that 
goal in mind, that target of what, you know, 1 billion hamburgers sold. Do you have that out there? I do. I do. Yeah. Let's I mean, hear it. you ready to share it? I mean, next year I want to hit 250,000 computers donated. I mean, this year we donated 1,200. Okay. Okay. So next year I want to have an insane year. Um, so how do you do but, it? How do you go from here to there? So grants obviously is a, is your funding mechanism. Donations are a funding mechanism. How how do you? I mean, what is that? Uh, I found. I think it's really solving the bottleneck and like creating a flywheel. Um, cool. So what I've found to be the bottleneck with computers for people is the computers part. It's the supply. Uh, if we have a insane amount of supply a never-ending supply, which there is, it exists, but it's just, you know, getting it into, into our hands, um, that will generate this flywheel where we'll be sustainable and we'll run forever um, because we're, we're creating a new model now uh, and we've been working on this for like about six months where we now collect all electronic waste. Uh, so like we'll pick up your servers too. We'll pick up like anything. Or like hundreds, thousands of monitors. Um, we'll pick that, pick that up. And all the equipment that is good for donation, usually, you know, smaller desktops, like newer mm -hmm. desktops and like all working uh, laptops, mm -hmm. all those go to donation, 100% of them. But then the, the equipment that we can't really donate, that all goes to a partner which recycles it properly and resells it. So that way we can generate this unrestricted funding to pour back into the organization, run all our programs for free. Um, and yeah, like be a more sustainable organization that way. So, so, so you're in essence, for lack of a better team, uh, term, using the lost leader of we'll take everything from mm -hmm. you. You don't have to worry about anything and then we'll utilize what we can for donation and you'll, you'll sell the other pieces or okay correct yeah so we'll sell all the extra surplus equipment um but a hundred percent of it goes back into operating the programs cool. um matching you know combining that with the grant funding and foundational funding like we receive funding from at&t comcast uh, metlife uh, a lot of big companies so combining those two i think you know, funding wise, we'll be excelling, but then getting this insane amount of donations in, we're able to donate, you know, a lot more computers, which, which is really the real goal. That's awesome. That's, that's truly amazing. So tell me about your team. Obviously this is not a one person show. So tell me about it, the, the team that you were able to assemble and how were you able to do that? Yeah. So right now we have about eight full-time employees, um, all in our New Jersey office. Um, so we have three supervisors of the different programs of the computer donation program, the internet and the digital literacy, digital literacy program. Um, and then underneath them, they have other people that are working to, you know, make everything happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> like, like we've just gotten to this point and it's through a lot of trial and error. Like I've had, you know, probably every possible, you know, situation happen over the years uh, with hiring and, and all the stuff. 
Um, so but what's I think your what's your role? My role is executive director. What's the day to day look like for the executive? I know you had said eighteen hours and we're grant writing. What else? Yeah, it's a lot of meeting with new people and strategic thinking. Cool. Um, I mean, that's at least what I want to be doing. I yeah. spend a lot of my time on operational tasks that hopefully one day will get passed off to someone else. And also administrative stuff. Like I do all the books uh, for Computers for People. I do all the grant reporting for, you know, multiple federal grants. Um, but on top of that, yeah, like I'll spend most of my day just meeting with new people, meeting with potential donors, with potential funders, um, new partners. I'm always trying to think ahead, think it's the future. Um, so yeah, it's a combination of like all these administrative and operational tasks along with, you know, we got to keep this growing. So, and you're still in school also, yeah. correct? Yeah, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a junior at Babson College. So I, you know, I work probably, you know, more than full time, 40, 50 hours a week while I'm in school. And then like when I'm home, like, like now when I'm in the office, I am working ungodly hours. Who knows wow. why? <laughs> wow. So are there any books that inspired you more than others? The thing is, I'm not like a big reader. Okay. But there is a childhood book that that I do like. Um, it's called Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. That's uh have you ever heard of it? No. You haven't? Nope. It's it's a great read. Uh, you should read it. It's probably like maybe eight, ten pages, mostly yeah. pictures. Um, but it's all about not letting the pigeon drive the bus, right? And the pigeon just wants to drive the bus. Just let the pigeon drive the bus, right? Um, but they constantly don't let the tr the pigeon drive the bus. And eventually the pigeon gets to drive the bus and he's so happy. Uh, but he persevered, you know? I, I, I think that book, as a kid, taught me to persevere. And if you want to drive the bus, drive the bus. I love so. it. I love it. So you're super busy. You're doing hours and hours uh, with your company, doing good for the world with huge goals. And, and we appreciate you. You're going to school. Do you have time for fun? Yeah, I, yeah, I have do? fun. I have fun. Um, cool. one, one thing I enjoy doing is I actually work. Oh, I say work, but yeah. I, I work at an ice skating rink at my school. So they... They, they teach me how to drive the Zamboni and sharpen oh, skates. Um, so that's something I, I really enjoy doing just on a, you know, weekly or biweekly basis. Uh, on top of that, I mean, just spending time with friends and family. Like, there's so many hours in the day. If you just use it effectively, then, you know, I can work all day, hang out with friends at night, sleep eight hours and get a lot done. I love it. I love it. You're a Zamboni driver. I had a friend who was in between jobs and whenever anyone would ask what is, uh, what do you, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? He would respond with, I'm a Zamboni driver. Yeah. I'm excited. But you really are. That's very well, cool. Yeah. If, I mean, if this whole computers for people thing doesn't work out, at least I have a backup, right? Yeah. I think there's going to be some people knocking on your door to, uh, you're a, you're a talent that people are going to be seeking out. How about AI Web3? Do you see the use of that being helpful in what you're doing at the, in the, the scalability of it? Being helpful 100%. Um, 
I mean, I'm already looking into many different avenues for like, how do we make repeat tasks not done by my staff, right? Um, so thinking about like the marketing efforts, uh, you know, when we're thinking about like our customer acquisition costs and, you know, how much effort my team is putting in to, to acquire new donors, how much of that can be automated um, into the new year. And then also for like, I'll say it for grant writing, like it's just you write paragraphs and paragraphs about the same thing a hundred times. Um, there's many areas where grant writing could be automated and um, made more, <laughs> made easier for the nonprofits that are uh, forced to just apply for hundreds of grants. That's really interesting. I didn't even, you know, there's so much that AI affords for efficiency. I didn't even think of grant writing. Chat GBT, write a grant for this, then give it a really good prompt and bam, it's done. Where, you know, it takes people weeks to write those grants sometimes. Yeah. I mean, and grants is like the perfect, it's like the perfect form, uh, an application for, for like a chat GBT, mm. because it's just, it's just questions about the same topic, the same organizations over and over again. And like, if you just feed these AIs, like enough data about, you know, what you're doing, not saying that I do this, right? Um, well, why wouldn't you though, right? Why, if it makes it more efficient, why not lead into that? I, I would be really interested to hear what a, what a foundation thinks about that. Um, like if I told them, hey, I wrote this, this grant with 80% chat GPT, would they be like, oh, we're not giving you the grant? I don't know. Um, well, m maybe, right? Because there's still a lot of people who are very uh, suspects of of what this new revolution is is coming. But when you talk with the people who are really utilizing it for efficiencies, they say it's a first draft. It breaks the writer's block. It yeah. helps get the momentum going. Obviously, we have to edit it and we have to review everything. We're not simply going to hit send or press send and, and go with it. Um, Really interesting question because that nonprofit space is very different than the for-profit space, right? Where people are leaning into the efficiencies where some folks in the not-for-profit space are up against the wall saying, I don't know, I don't trust. And it seems like that's plagiarism. A, and That's a huge problem too. Like just like, don't even talk about AI. Just talk about like basic technology, like using CRMs and different um tools online like nonprofits don't utilize them very well um and that's something that c4p has done really well like we've built out all our own crm and inventory systems that all integrate with each other and automate the process so I, like in the future i'm totally looking to integrate uh like ai into that uh, like wouldn't it be so cool if i just like take a photo of the computer and then it like populates with all the information about it, right? That that'd be sick. Um, or I have, I have like all these different ideas. I love for, it. That's what for, I'm. That's what I'm digging into. It's and, so fun. And it's nice to see the not for profits that run like businesses, right? They're not hobbies, right? There's so many not for profits where a bunch of volunteers are getting in a room hoping to do good, yet they're not thinking about it like a business. So for you, setting it up with your leadership team and structuring and looking for efficiencies and organization it's it's um it's really inspiring truly yeah yeah and yeah it's it's exciting i mean I, i'm excited to see the new wave 
of technology that comes in because that will impact like my whole mission too. Like who, in 20 years, I think the digital divide will look way different than it does today. Like maybe it'll have to, maybe we'll be tackling AI as an organization um, and fighting off robots you know, or computers, computers for the people. Right. We'll see, you know? Right. Well, right. That's <laughs> interesting way of looking at it as well. However, it is definitely going to help and you are absolutely helping create uh, a, a less of a divide, if you will. So what's next on the GSEA? So you won Boston, you're going up to the next step. When is that? Where is it? I believe it's in Nashville nice. uh, in February. So nice. I got I to gotta get my act together, go to Nashville, uh, maybe listen to some country music <laughs> and uh, hopefully uh, do Boston some good. Yes, you will. And hey, chapter, listen up, you know, lean in, help Dylan, make sure that he represents powerfully for our, for our chapter down there. Yeah. So but- again, go ahead. The more computers we get from people in Boston, the the more inflated our numbers will look on that slideshow. So let's do that, right? So let's do that. Here's our call to action. So um, how do people do this again? So fo- folks that are tuning in and, and paying attention, this is it. This is what you want to be writing down. It will be in the show notes. Yeah. If anyone has a computer, you can go to computersforpeople.org and submit to donate them. Additionally, if you, you know, work for a company or work with other companies, recommend to their IT director that, you know, after the end of the life cycle of their devices and equipment, they call us up or fill out that form online and we'll pick all of it up um, and it'll impact thousands of people in need. So, And if someone wants to get in touch with you directly, Dylan, how would they do that? Call me at uh, 201-669-3062. Lean in, folks. Help this help this next generation. This has really been inspiring, Dylan. I appreciate you sharing your experience with us, your wisdom at your youthful age. You still have wisdom. You have experience, and sharing your mission and your goals with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we wish you the best of luck in Nashville. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mark. Hey, folks. This has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action, your Boston chapter of EOS podcast. If you thought of somebody, share this with them. In fact, share this with anyone. Be well, everybody. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.